Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hi. Welcome into the Force to Punt podcast. I am your host, Steven Serta. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Dusty Likens. Dusty, had a busy day. Yo. Yeah, like a busy last like 25 minutes, right? Like 30 minutes? Yeah. So, I'm going, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. Uh, we were going to try to record something really quick anyways, just to get something out before I go on vacation for a few days. Uh, but, of course... We've seen uh, over the past several days, I think they have until this weekend, basically, NFL players to opt out to take the clause that they agreed upon in, with the NFL owners, the NFLPA. And it was just announced this afternoon that Chiefs running back Damian Williams is taking the opt out. So that's obviously huge news for, well, I mean, for the Chiefs and for Clyde Edwards Hilaire and for fantasy owners because. The reason we I hadn't been taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire as so high in all of my drafts is because I wasn't positive that the value was going to be there on the return. Now he's easily a top ten pick. And we actually the 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 basis of this podcast was to kind of run through a mock draft really quick and try and we already did the mock draft and we we're gonna kinda explain some of our picks and tell you guys why we took certain dudes where we did. But this kind of throws the whole thing out the window, but we're still going to try to go through some picks and try to explain some of that here in a little bit. But we we got to react to this Damian Williams news because it's obviously huge. Like we assume Clyde's the most talented running back that they have on the roster. We just figured that Damian Williams was probably going to be more involved than we than we think he should have been, which was going to hamper Clyde's return on investment a little bit. But now. In my opinion, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should be the top chief off the board in, in all in all fantasy drafts. I know some of these local drafts with your with your Kansas City Chiefs fans, uh, people are going to take Patrick Mahomes a little bit higher than they need to. But in most standard redraft leagues, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should be the top chief that you take in all drafts. Yeah, I think the reason that this is so important is because you look at like the significance that that this role has, like. Patrick Chung opting out and all those Patriot players opting out it doesn't really affect like anybody on that team, let alone like maybe that defense might be affected, but that's not a worry of some pick that you have in fantasy. Damian Williams, which we'll get to 
on why I, you know, why certain people are drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire a little bit higher than they may have. The, the original knock on it was Damian Williams is the starter. They're not going to, you know, if you draft Clyde Edwards, you're going to have to somehow figure out how you can get Damian Williams on your team as well to handcuff those two guys. Now you don't have to do that. And the theory behind drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire for, I bet, I would assume at least probably, oh, I don't know, 80% of the people is that in the back of their mind, they're thinking that this is the Kareem Hunt edition 2.0, whereas Spencer Ware was the starter for the Chiefs when they drafted Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt got the start because Spencer Ware got hurt. We all know that Damian Williams is a little bit injury prone and that there was a possibility that if maybe you took a stretch or a flyer, I guess some people would say, on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that you know, you're banking on him being a number one running back by week five, which means your first four weeks of the season are up in the air of where you would pick him if you took him too high. You don't get enough value. That is now debunked. That has been banged. Now we're going to see, like you said, I think smart drafters, not biased Kansas City drafters, would take a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire in a full point PPR as the first chief overall taken. It should go in this order. It should go Edwards Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. You can argue those last two on where you want to take those, but I think Patrick Mahomes is well worth a fourth-round pick if that's your being serious. That's where he should go. And Travis Kelsey should probably be a little bit lower. Again, depending on how you want to draft, but you're right. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just became, what, man? Like the third running, fourth, third or fourth running back that should be taken in all of NFL draft picks this year for fantasy football? Yeah, and I mean, I think... Tyreek is still a first-round pick, in my opinion. Uh, I think Travis Correct. Kelsey, I don't, I honestly don't have a problem with you taking Travis Kelsey in the late second, early third round. And that's probably where, like, Mahomes should probably be, like, a third or a fourth-round pick. But, you know, yeah, when, when you're drafting with Chiefs fans, he's obviously going to go a lot higher than that. But in, in most standard redraft leagues, that's where he's going. Um, yeah. You know, Clyde was in a lot of drafts, a second and third round pick. Now, there's, yeah, I think five running backs that should go ahead of him, but I don't, but I think that people are going to take him higher than they maybe should just because it's the Chiefs offense and because he's guaranteed to be a number one running back now. He's guaranteed to be the top back in the number one offense in football. So it's, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's Saquon Barkley, it's Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and then either Dalvin Cook or Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like I, I don't I right. don't I, and I mean I you could argue if you love Derrick Henry, you could argue Derrick Henry above Clyde, but I'm gonna take the dude who's in the offense that's gonna score the most points over Derrick Henry. Like Derrick Henry might get a lot of carries. But Clyde's going to be a key cog in an offense that I think is going to score 35 points a game. So I, I'd rather have Clyde than Derrick Henry any day of the week. Like, and now you're not you're not even considering, you know, Nick Chubb over Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, I think is legitimately going to skyrocket to like top five pick potential now. And I mean. His ability to run, his ability to pass catch, like that's going to be. We saw what Jamal Charles was when he was the the key to Andy Reid's offense. Like he's not going to get that type of workload, but the yeah. opportunity that like he's he's got fifteen touchdown opportunity now. Like he's got he's got eleven hundred yards on the ground 
800 yards in the air, 15 touchdown opportunity as a rookie. Like that that's the type of upside that you'd be looking at with Clyde Edwards Hilaire now. And it's it's insane. Now I'm kind of hoping I get a mid first round pick and I could get him. But in my in my drafts with a bunch of Chiefs fans, I feel like Mahomes and Hilaire are gonna go one and two. So I just have so I just have no opportunity at all. And the other thing too, the two things with with kind of give it like some Chiefs fans uh biasness is that I'm sure that every Chiefs fan in Kansas City had an alert go off on their phone today because somebody's following Schefter, someone's following Rappaport or Therese or, you know, 610 or whatever it may be, and they got the alert that Damian Williams isn't going to play. The first thought that goes into all their heads is, holy smokes, that, that running back we took in the first round is going to be the star. Okay, where do I pick in the draft? I'm definitely taking this because, like you said, what did you say, like 600 rushing, 800 in, or 800 and 600, 800 500? To tag along with all that, you got to think if he goes for anywhere from 10 to 15 touchdowns, the best player comp that I think they got out of the draft was I think even Andy Reid said it was that this is Brian Westbrook. I mean, if you remember playing fantasy when they had him in Philadelphia or maybe even like a young LaShawn McCoy, like that's what you're going to get with this kid. This is going to be very, he's not there yet. This isn't me doing a hot take, but Darren Sproles is a good comp. Like they're going to throw him the ball on wheel routes. What do the Chiefs do better than anybody else? Screen passes and wheel routes. And now that Damian Williams is out there, there's no competition. And if you're in a full-point PPR league, Sir is right. This could very easily could persuade me to take him in a top five, top six pick in your NFL draft for fantasy football this year. Yeah, Br- Brian Westbrook's top season as a, as a pro was like 1,800, 1,900 combo yards. Like, yeah, I don't think that's out of the question for Clyde now. And, and if you're talking about like the only guys with that type of upside, cause it's not Derrick Henry, like no, Henry, he doesn't catch the ball. Yeah. Derrick Henry's not going to catch, catch passes. Like he, Derrick Henry might have 1500 rushing yards, but he's going to give you absolutely nothing in the passing game. Nick Chubb's mm-hmm. not going to give you that in the passing game. Dalvin cook will, but you know, Dalvin cook. Now they're saying Dalvin cook is going to be at training camp. He's not going to hold out, but like, like Dal- and Dalvin Cook is a, is a special player, but Dalvin Cook's also struggled to stay healthy his whole NFL career. And so I, mm-hmm. I have to think that they're going to dial it back a little bit this season for him because we saw last season what he could do when he was the number one guy, but he broke down before the end of the season. Like, I mm-hmm. think like Joe Mixon has that kind of upside. Miles Sanders has that kind of upside. But neither one of them have the definitive upside of the number one running back in the Chiefs' offense, which is going to be the best offense in football, like like, mm-hmm. like neither one of them, you can say Miles Sanders. Oh, Doug Peterson likes to use this committee approach. We still have to worry about that. I don't think that's going to be the case this year, but you still got to mm-hmm. worry about it. Joe Mixon's a clear number one back, but it's on the Bengals, and I and I like the Bengals' offense this year, and I think they're they're ascending, but they still have a rookie quarterback, and they still they still they're still a bad football team from top to bottom. So you can't bank on either of those guys like Clyde Edwards Hilaire and I guess we we can start getting into our mock draft because you actually got yeah. in the mock draft and, and and who got roasted for doing that I didn't roast you I just told Ooh. you how I felt which is how I've been explaining it all offseason was that I was just not going to have Clyde on any of my fantasy teams because I didn't see the value in taking a guy in the second round who I couldn't definitively prove he was going to be the number one back that's different Correct. now if I some mm-hmm. if I somehow already did a fantasy draft and got Clyde in the second round, well then hell yeah, I came out yeah. that that happened to me 
uh, the the year they drafted Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware was the starting running back, I was able to land Kareem Hunt in like the sixth round of a draft that year. And then the following week, Spencer Ware got hurt. And all of a sudden, I had the dude who wound up leading the league in rushing that season. And I got him <laughs> in like the sixth round. So if you've already done your draft, good for you. It's crazy early to be doing drafts. But some people start them early. So, so good for you. But yeah, so we did a 15-round uh, fantasy mock draft. Uh, just half point PPR. So that was kind of the strategy that went into our draft picks and Dusty landed at the fifth pick. I landed at the sixth pick. Our good friend, Benny Heiss did the fantasy draft with us too, but we had to kind of record this, uh, last minute. And so you're going to get me and Dusty's picks. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put Heisler's picks out there without him here to explain them. But so uh-huh. Dusty went round one, pick number five, you went Ezekiel Elliott, which I think is where you should have gone. And then with the second pick, with the eighth pick in round two, you went Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, with this news today, if you would have taken Clyde at 1-5, I wouldn't have even been mad about it. Like, Zeke's fine. Now that's that's an unbelievable, like, 1-2 running back combo. But if you would have... If we knew what we know now about Clyde when we did this draft last week... I would have been totally fine with you taking Clyde at one five. I wouldn't have even <laughs> oh, yeah. had an issue with it. And just pass on Zeke, who's also in a powerful offense. I mean, it's kind of a coin flip there, I guess. They're both going to like put up similar numbers, which is kind of crazy to think about today, as opposed yeah. to a, like a week or so ago, we took this draft where you're like, Clyde and Zeke, like one-two combo. Like That's now a combo. If you can somehow, if you did get that or you can get that, you should be in your final and your championship game match if you have Clyde Edwards and Ezekiel Elliott. That's going to be the number one offense and number two offense. Maybe not Chiefs in, in front of the Cowboys, but those are going to be your top two offenses. Um, so here's a little bit of the strategy of why I took him where I took him before we get into this whole Damian Williams opting out. It kind of worked out the same way. I took the same approach that you and I have been talking about for months on this podcast that – when Kareem Hunt was the running back in the Chiefs offense in 2018, this team was so explosive and just incredibly high-octane part of offense and numbers and types of anywhere they could go. Because when you look at this offense, you can either double-team Travis Kelsey or you can double-team Tyreek Hill. Whatever you want to do, leave one of them open. Now if you still try to do that, you're still leaving two guys 1v1. Andy Reid can scheme a wheel route or a screen pass on you in a matter of a second. Patrick Mahomes can read a defense and, do, and turn it around in a matter of a second. Now, yes, they could have done that with Damian Williams. My strategy on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was kind of banking on the past of Damian Williams being an injury-prone running back, being somebody that I didn't think would play 16 games, let alone 10 games. And, yes, it might be a stretch, but the last two years that I've taken stretches on guys, it's actually panned out because – I know when it comes to the first three picks of your draft, you have to get it right. You have to get guys that are for sure answers. Like I took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over Mike Evans. Mike Evans is about as sure as it comes. He's got even more sureness coming to his team with Tom Brady on the roster. But I just felt that at the time, there was no Chiefs bias. I could care less if I had Chiefs players on my team or not. But I just felt that there was going to be a time within the first three weeks where Clyde Edwards was going to take away this role for the Chiefs. And yes, it's a bit of a gamble. Fantasy football is 100% a gamble. 
And I took a stretch on Clyde edwards Lear because I saw the same thing happening, what happened in 18, maybe a hiccup in the road. From the past, we've seen some shade thrown by Andy Reid when it comes to Damian Williams, not either being ready, not being fully healthy. He's always kind of had these little comments in training camp. And now we have this rookie that's all of a sudden going to start. The pick looks a lot great, a lot more great than it did before because hindsight's 2020. But that kind of gives you an insight of where my strategy was. And maybe you'll have the same strategy too, or you had the same strategy before. Now, obviously, I wouldn't be mad like Serta if you took Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Alvin Kamara or guys like Azeek Elliott, which is crazy to think. But again, the original strategy was kind of gambling, not kind of gambling, and expecting Damian Williams to either not play a full season have a limited role and see Clyde Edwards literally try to become a stud in Kansas city, which now he's probably going to be. I think you gambled more in the third round than you did in the second round, but we'll get there in a second. Uh, so I kind of, I can explain that bit too. I probably in some people's minds jumped the gun a little bit. And with my first round pick, I was the sixth pick in the first round. Dalvin cook was on the board. Derek Henry was on the board. Miles Sanders was on the board. Devonte Adams was on the board. Which I think it's it's unbelievable where Devontae Adams is going. He should be he should be a higher pick. He he should be going. Hey Serta, can I interrupt you real quick? Teicher just tweeted, Adam Teicher just tweeted, said Caesar's Palace just shifted its odds for Edward Solaire in light of Damian Williams' news decision to opt out. Clyde Edward Solaire has gone from a two hundred and fifty to one to a seventy-five to one to win the NFL MVP. And now he's gone from a seventy-five to one to a twenty to one to win the rushing title. And he's now gone from 11-2 to 4-1 to one to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, all in a matter of 20 minutes. Yeah, well, Anyways. I, I hope you had, had bets on Clyde. Uh, Clyde <laughs> 250 or, to 1? Yeah, I hope you had already placed those bets on Clyde prior to today. Mercy. Uh, Anyways, back to your point that you were making. You got a good chance of making some serious money. Uh, <laughs> but so, Dalvin Cook was still on the board. And kind of looking back on it now, now that I feel like Compared to when we did this last week, compared to now, I feel like we have a clearer picture about where Dalvin Cook is going. I probably would have taken Dalvin Cook, but I selected Tyreek Hill. And it's because I am higher. I feel like I'm higher on Tyreek Hill than a lot of people are. And I, I've been listening to uh, a lot of people around the fantasy industry, and they're talking about Tyreek and, you know, he's kind of boomer bust. And. I do agree with that to an extent. I just think that we haven't really gotten an opportunity to see his legitimate best with Patrick Mahomes' best. Like I know the fifty touchdown season Tyreek Hill was fantastic that year. He was he was unbelievable, but he did have some games where he'd kind of fade away, and then he had some games where he'd just be un insane and you know have one hundred and seventy five yards and two touchdowns. Um, and so that that type of boomer bust, like those are those are weak breakers, like those are those are game winning type of weeks that Tyreek Hill is capable of doing all the time. If he is a hundred percent healthy this season with this offense, I think this offense has a chance to be better than the twenty eighteen offense. And so I want Tyreek Hill and I'm fine with taking him at the sixth pick in the first round as my legitimate wide receiver one, because I think that Tyreek Hill is a top three fantasy wide receiver this season. And Michael Thomas was already off the board. You know, Devontae Adams and Julio Jones are still there. And, and I obviously love both of those guys. I love Chris Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins. But Tyreek Hill legitimately has, you know, 1,500-plus yard potential 
15 touchdown potential in my mind. And so I'm perfectly fine taking him in the first round. Um, so, again, this is a snake draft. So coming back in the second round, uh, I had the seventh pick. I selected Austin Eckler because I needed a running back, and I didn't really love any of the wide receivers that were that were there just just yet. And I really needed a running back because there was a big r- run on the backs there uh, at the end of the first round with Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones. So I, I wanted to make sure I got one. Then Dusty took Clyde the next pick. Um, but coming back into the third round, mm-hmm. at the fifth pick in the third round, you selected Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton. Yeah, so, again, I know you think that maybe there was a chance that I did this in spite of you because I know that he was a big target for you this year, big guy on your team last year. So part of my strategy, and again, it has paid off, and I'm not trying to be the – I am going to be this guy. I've won my league the last two years in a row. 12-man league, very competitive. Um, I would not say it's a a bottom-tier league. There's a lot of – I mean, it's super competitive. We have a trophy, a plaque, there's bragging rights. There's a lot of cash. There's $1,200 on the table for this league um, to give you some accolades. What I've done every year when I draft these receivers is I basically know to myself that I'm in a full-point PPR. I know there's a lot of guys in my league that are going to be chomping at the bit at guys that were either super successful last year that might be tearing down the next level. Like there's, And I'm not mad at you if you think that you need to do this, but there might be guys that take – you know, Julio Jones until proven wrong or guys like, um, you know, maybe Mike Evans who's coming off an injury as well last year that happened towards the end of the year last year that they just want the proven material. My thing is when it comes to receivers like Cortland Sutton, they can get you a lot of points and they're available in these rounds. They're not going to be available in the fourth or fifth round. I just don't think they will be because that's when people start to remember is when it's too late for you to take that early step or maybe it's an early flyer. To me, it's not that big of a gamble because I know that Cortland Sutton is going to be a valuable part of that offense, even though John Elway's pissed that they're not playing any preseason games because it's hard to learn the offense. Well, hello. One guy already knows the offense. The quarterback throwing the balls already played five games in the NFL, and he should have a big, big year this year if he keeps going in the right direction. That's a big end. But Cortland Sutton is going to have a big year this year, and I'm not worried about taking him in the third round. Last year, I took a guy like Chris Godwin in the third. No, I took him in the fourth round. Might have been too early last year. And I get it. Fantasy is all about value. But Cortland Sutton's going to give you third round value. Hell, he's probably going to give you second round value with the numbers he can potentially put up. Another guy that is really kind of big in that area is Cal Ridley. I don't know if he was available at the time. He might have been. But Cortland Sutton, like I had before in the previous season, Chris Godwin was another guy that I might have stretched on a little early in the fourth round last year. I don't think I did paid off tremendously. And then the year before that I took Juju in the fourth round. Now that might've been a good round to pick him in two years ago, but both years I might've taken a guy early, but that I knew was still going to be competitive because of the year they had before where somebody might obviously remember a Jarvis Landry, a Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. That's fine. Those guys might go a little bit lower, but take the Cortland Sutton when you can, when he's there, because you know, he's not going to, I know he's not going to be there when we came back around and I know that the value that I took him at is going to pay off in that pick. And that's why I took Corbin Sutton because he is going to be a big target this year for Drew Locke. No. And I, I love Cortland Sutton. You know that I believe that he's an ascending superstar. I just think that you can get him in the fifth and sixth round instead of the third. I, I just think that there was some value there that you passed up on, but 
I don't hate the pick at all. I, I think he's going to be a fine yeah. player, and I think the Broncos' offense is going to be great this year. But like last year, you know, his second year because he he kind of struggled in his rookie season. But he was a guy that I was really high on coming out of college. I got him mm-hmm. in the fourteenth round of a draft last season, and he was one of my three best wide receivers all season long. Because he he's he's a fantastic player, and I love his ability. I just think there was a little bit more value on the board. Um, so at three six, I selected Odell Beckham, who, which I I think like the case that you were just making for Cortland Sutton. I think there's a lot of people making the opposite case for Odell because Correct. of his struggles last season, and really it's been, you know, he he hasn't had a number one caliber fantasy wide receiver season in multiple years now he's struggled to stay healthy uh he's mm-hmm. had you know issues with the giants and their front office and then with the browns and the disaster that was freddie kitchens and baker took a huge step back and the browns specifically are you know kareem hunt and nick chubb are both incredibly talented running backs kevin Stefanski likes to run the ball a ton so that's what everybody's yeah. projecting them to do I think that that running game is going to open up the play-action game, which is what Baker is really good at, and I think that's going to give Odell a ton of opportunity. I'm still willing to take a chance on Odell. I still think he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, and I'm willing to bank on that. And so, and Tyreek Hill and Odell Beckham is my one and two wide receivers. I'm I, I'm fine with that. Uh, so coming up in the fourth round, uh, players like, I had the seventh pick in the fourth round. Players like Cooper Cup, Mark Andrews, DJ Moore, Robert Woods, James Conner all went ahead of where I was picking. I selected Leonard Fournette. I don't love Leonard Fournette, but but the way I explained <laughs> it when I made the pick is that he's a clear cut workhorse running back who's not going to get who's not going to lose carries to anybody that's on the roster. They don't have a running back on the team that is anywhere near as talented as Leonard Fournette. They are worried with Jay Gruden being the offensive coordinator, and I understand the worry because Chris Thompson's there now. Chris Thompson's his guy from Washington, and Jay Gruden's going to use him like that, which is going to take away from the receiving game, which we saw Leonard Fournette get more involved in last year. But it, was like, it wasn't like Leonard Fournette was running routes. He was just getting a lot of dump-offs. So, so he wasn't a huge factor in the passing game, but he did have a good amount of receptions last season. The reason I'm still fine with taking Leonard Fournette is because he only had three touchdowns last season. That has to go up. Like, it just has to. It's almost impossible that he only ended the season with the amount of touches that he got with three touchdowns. Um, also, Chris Thompson's never going to play a full 16-game season. I don't know for a fact that he's never done that for his career, but can you remember a time where Chris Thompson didn't get injured as soon as he got a little too much playing time? Because it feels like right. that's, it's been that way his entire career. And so I'm not worried about Chris Thompson the way other people are. You're really going to bank on Chris Thompson to finally stay healthy and finally compliment another running back for 16 games? I don't think so. I, I'm fine with taking Leonard, and they don't have anybody else on the roster. Uh, was Chris Thompson in – was he in Washington with Jay Gruden, though? Yeah, Is that really uh, the only yes, reason why yeah. he's probably on the team? Yeah, I mentioned that. He's yeah. Jay, he's Jay yeah. Gruden's guy. Jay Gruden probably drafted yeah. him. Uh, with the next pick in the fourth round, uh, pick pick number eight, you selected Seattle wide receiver Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I was torn there. Um, I want to say DK was still available. He wasn't. Um, he wasn't. Okay, so DK went before uh, uh, Lockett. We had talked about that, I think, a couple weeks before we did oh, the no, draft. He was about, still available. Yeah, he was. I just and I think the reason why I took Lockett. I, see, I, I thought DK was still there. 
is because and that's fine and like and it was a coin flip like thought process because you know you look at the year dk had but sophomore years can scare you obviously Cortland sutton's didn't scare anybody last year but like when it comes to Lockett and it comes to that full point PPR, like I just love the Seattle offense running everything through the slot, which is exactly where Tyler Lockett's going to play. And plus, like we all saw it last year and the year before, Tyler Lockett is Russell Wilson's home run through. Like that's who's going to go catch that ball. That's where he's going to get those big yards from. And on my team, I've already got my number one wide receiver in Cortland Sutton, who I think is very well worth a third round pick. Now you look at your running backs, you're solid there. And then you throw in Tyler Lockett as like a number two slash one in that offense where DK is going to be your possession type receiver. And Tyler Lockett can kind of play that Chris Godwin role where he's the slot, runs free, takes the deep patterns, can take a pass and take it to the house at any time during the game. So I think that's kind of where I took Tyler Lockett and thinking that maybe there's still one more year left with Tyler Lockett where he and Russ just connect because when they're on the same page, that's a pretty dynamic duo in Seattle, even though DK Metcalf was there last year, kind of interrupted some of that um, chemistry. And I get it. DK is a big guy. He's got some speed. I mean, I think he ran like a four, three in the, in the combine and nobody believed it. But I mean, again, his, his style of play differs from Tyler Lockett because Tyler Lockett runs a slot. And when you're in a point and a half point PPR, I think more targets going to lock it, which means you get more points in the half point PPR. because you should get more catches playing that slot role than that outside receiver Y role. Yeah, I mean, I just think DK Metcalf has more upside. Like, Tyler Lockett's a talented player, and Tyler Lockett has 18 touchdowns the last two seasons. So, so like, Russ finds him in the end zone, which is obviously really valuable. I just think that DK is primed and ready to really break out and, like, ascend as a star. And I, I think that yeah. he's just a more, overall, just a more talented wide receiver, which is why I would take him. But I, I think... They're both kind of like flip flopping in traps. So, so I mean, you you could yeah. go either way, just depending on how you feel. I, I I still like them both, and I would be happy to have either one of them on my team. Um, but keeping it going, uh, Melvin Gordon went immediately after Tyler Lockett, Cam Akers, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Parker, Jonathan Taylor, and then you selected with the fifth pick in the fifth round, DJ Chark. Yeah, that okay. That one might have been too high of a stretch i think i probably could have gotten him like maybe the sixth or the seventh round or maybe that's kind of where he's landing um yeah i mean he's him and Cortland sutton are going kind of in the in a similar range so they're both going yeah. like but like it's sixth seventh round so maybe a little bit early on dj shark but again that goes back to the strategy that i kind of took with Cortland sutton is that i knew he probably wasn't going to be around after that pick Looking at the board, I felt like he was a good option at that time because of the numbers that he did put up last year. That was Gardner Minshew's guy because obviously Nick Foles got hurt against the Chiefs in like week one throwing that bizarre touchdown in the corner of the end zone. But now there's nobody there to interrupt Gardner Minshew. Those two guys know the offense. And again, as much as you get annoyed about hearing about COVID-19 and social distancing, you have to realize that these guys are not going to play any preseason games their training camp is going to be completely different. So the guys that know the playbooks and the guys that understand the way these guys play football with each other are the guys that are going to be the most successful when it comes to picking these guys in fantasy football. I can't say that more clearly than that. And that goes into effect when I pick a guy like DJ Chark because DJ Chark had a great year last year, fantastic year. Certainly he was on your team, and every week I had to hear about 
how good of a game DJ Chark had or how good of a game was, uh, Scary Terry had last year. He was for the first, I think, 11 weeks of the season, he was a top five fantasy wide receiver. But then he got, he got yeah. suffered an ankle injury and it kind of hampered him the rest of the season. But you saw that potential, the way that he no. could play in that subpar offense, give him another year with that connection to the quarterback. Well, it can go a little bit higher, even though I say sophomore years can scare me, but still, like it can go that much well, better for DJ Shark. And he's headed into year number three. Uh, yeah. So, like, he's going to be, I, I think that he's an, an unbelievably talented player. And it, and it wasn't just that, like, he was scoring because he was the only guy there. Like, and it wasn't like he, like, he was getting more opportunity, but he was making unbelievable catches like unbelievable yeah. plays like I, I love dj chark i think he's i think he's awesome and he was better with gardner Minshew as his quarterback last season than when than when nick Foles was in the game so I, i'm fine with it if you really really love him uh yeah like i had Cortland sutton and dj chark on our roster last season and that was a that was a league where i went super running back heavy early on and just drafted a ton of upside wide receivers later on. And both of those guys just happened to pan out for me. Um, yeah, I, I think they're both really, really talented players. So I, I, don't, I don't hate it at all. Uh, with the next pick, the, the sixth pick in the fifth round, I selected David Montgomery. See, like Leonard Fournette, a lot of people are out on David Montgomery, but you're just not going to find legitimate number one workhorse running backs very often in the fifth round of your fantasy drafts. And, you know, love David Montgomery or hate David Montgomery. I, I don't believe that David Montgomery is going to just, you know, break out of nowhere and all of a sudden be a top five running back in fantasy football. But I know that he has to get more red zone opportunities. I know that he's going to get a larger workload. I know that there's no one there who's going to challenge him for the early down workload because it's certainly not going to be Tarek Cohen. So I am totally fine with taking David Montgomery in the fifth round. I, I think he's going to be a solid player. And the guy that I got a couple rounds later, who uh, I'll talk about here in a second, had a lot to do with me taking David Montgomery here because he was my favorite pick of the draft in the seventh round. But uh, in the sixth round, I selected Dallas wide receiver Michael Gallup who I absolutely love. I've talked about the Dallas Cowboys offense a lot. I think it's got I think it's going to be the second best offense in the NFL behind the Chiefs. Uh, I think Dak, I think Dak Prescott's uh going to have a monster season. I think he is a fringe MVP candidate. Uh Michael Gallup had over 1000 yards last season. He was unbelievable. He only had six less targets than Amari Cooper. And I feel like everybody is kind of reaching on CD Lamb thinking that CD Lamb is just going to be that number 2 guy. But Michael Gallup is a really, really talented player, and he's only 24 years old. He's only headed into year number three. Like That Dallas passing offense just has potential to be devastating. So I want every piece of that offense where I can get it, especially at value like in the sixth round. I'm perfectly happy with Michael Gallup being my wide receiver three behind Tyreek Hill and Odell Beckham. Um, yeah, no, just, no, I don't disagree at all with that. And you're you're on a real wide receiver run here. It's four four in a row with the eighth pick in the sixth round. You selected Tyler Boyd. Yep. Um, like we said, I think Cincinnati's offense has a chance to really be successful. I think Joe Burrow's going to have some ups and downs. Again, I don't think anybody's ever going to be as comparable to Patrick Mahomes as like first year starting the league because he had a year behind Alex Smith. But I think that Joe Burrow can be a little similar to like a Carson Palmer startup where there could be like. 23 touchdowns and 23 interceptions, or it could be something around those, that ratio. Again, 
Joe Burrow is really not an interception throwing quarterback. At least he wasn't in college. He played, you know, great last year at LSU. And I think that if he's going to find a target, it's going to be Tyler Boyd. I know that there's AJ Green in that offense. And I know a lot of people think that maybe Tyler Boyd, you know, was a flash in the pan for a few weeks uh, last year and that maybe it can't be that successful. But I think he has a chance to have a connection with Joe Burrow and what we're in the seventh round at this point. You're right. I did go receiver, 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 but. You know, I loaded up on running backs that I figured would be successful as a one-two punch. And now I've got two guys that I think are going to be number one receivers in their offense. And then Tyler Boyd, who could be that, like, maybe flex wide receiver where there could be one game where he has three catches for 45 yards. And then there could be another game where he has six catches for 120 and two touchdowns. It can happen more often than you think. And I think that that's where Tyler Boyd can be this year. So in the seventh round with the fifth pick, I don't even think you need to explain this very much. You selected Deshaun Watson. I, I think that's a, a great value yeah. pick. It's just it's a good spot to take him. There was a little run on quarterbacks, uh, right? That was my that, favorite really. pick of the draft, by the way. Yeah, like because Russell Wilson went ahead of him, Kyler Murray went ahead of him, Dak Prescott went ahead of him, and and there was like kind of like a little early run on QBs in this draft because Dak Prescott's generally going a little later, and that's uh, Dak Prescott's the quarterback that I'm targeting in all of my fantasy drafts this year. Uh, but yeah, yeah D- Deshaun at the fifth pick in the seventh round is fantastic. Um, and so my sixth pick in the seventh round, I selected Tampa Bay Bucks running back Ronald Jones. So this that's was, your boy this year. This was my favorite pick of this draft. And I'm kind of bummed because I was hoping his value was going to stay uh, a- ahead of fantasy drafts. And I don't think it's going to. Because the goddamn Bucks just announced that he's definitively the starter, and so, and so he's going to wind up climbing up draft boards. Like I was that God, I I loved that. Like I loved getting Montgomery in the fifth, and then still coming back and getting Ronald Jones in the seventh, because Keyshawn Vaughn's going in a lot of mock drafts and a lot of early season drafts. Keyshawn Vaughn's going ahead of Ronald Jones, and I was sitting here shouting from the rooftops for months. Like, Ronald Jones was good when he got opportunity last year, and Bruce Arians doesn't start rookie running backs. He he literally never has. He refused to start a rookie David Johnson, even though every time they gave David Johnson the ball, David Johnson was just breaking off, like, 70-yard runs. And, right. And Ronald Jones is a really talented player. And, and I know he's struggled so far in his NFL career, but when he touched the football last year, he was a lot more productive than people realized. And so he's a guy that I... I loved getting him in the in the middle rounds because it's an unbelievable value in a Tampa Bay offense that I think has top five potential. Like I think that offense is going to put up points and he's going to be a big part of it. So mm-hmm. getting him in the seventh round, unbelievable value. That value's probably not going to hold. He's probably going to climb up into like the like the fourth round, uh, cl- closer to fantasy drafts. But mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll still have I'll still have this team to. Uh, to hang my hat on, but uh, <laughs> moving on to the eighth round, I selected Pittsburgh wide receiver Deontay Johnson. This is this is kind of the part of the draft where I, for the most part, have rounded out the cornerstones of my starting lineup, and so I'm willing to kind of reach on guys that I just think have unbelievable upside. So, like last year, where I got Cortland Sutton super late in a draft, and I thought he was a really talented player, it worked out for me. I think that type of player this season is Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay Johnson is going to be unbelievable. I think he's got 
you know, if you had if you had Juju Smith Schuster a couple of years ago when he was on the other side of Antonio Brown, he was year number two. He was coming off of a really good rookie season and he had a monster year. He was like a, he was a top 12 fantasy wide receiver when Antonio Brown was still like a top 5 fantasy wide receiver. And Juju was awesome and now Juju's going to be back and healthy this season. They're going to have Big Ben back. So you expect their passing offense to be light years better than it was last year. And Deontay Johnson was pretty good as a rookie with their awful, awful quarterback play, like some of the most horrendous quarterback play in the NFL last season. And Deontay Johnson still looked really good. He's a really talented player who can get open with his route running, and that's how Antonio Brown played for a long, long time. I I absolutely love Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I don't disagree with the pick. And, I mean, you think about the history that is receivers in Pittsburgh and how they tend to just pan out and work. And that's one of those picks where you said that you had your team pretty well rounded out, knew who everybody was going to play, like where they were going to go. Deontay Johnson's one of those guys that can have one of those week ones where everybody in your league that didn't draft him, and if he is a free agent, which he won't be, but maybe you draft him like Sirtis said, like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round. And all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, is Deontay Johnson available? And you say, no, he's on my squad. And now all of a sudden I realize he's going to be the number one receiver in Pittsburgh. Now you've taken that 10th pick and you've made him like a top five uh, round or a top first five round pick as a receiver because again like he said big ben man took the whole year off he's ready to come back and sling it and the first guy that he's going to look at towards that way is uh dj and then to follow up that pick you selected Keyshawn vaughn which now i hate it <laughs> he's, he's yeah he's probably gonna slide a little bit now that they they announced ronald jones is definitively the starter there uh but in the ninth <laughs> round with the fifth pick you selected jordan howard I don't, I don't hate it at all. Uh, I believe Matt Breida went ahead of him. Or no, Matt Breida mm-hmm. went a couple of picks behind him. But Matt Breida's going ahead of him in almost every draft. And I don't think Matt Breida should be going ahead of him in any drafts. Uh, I think Jordan Howard's going to be the, the number one running back there. Matt Breida's going to be complimentary. And I know Matt Breida's talented and he's explosive. But San Francisco didn't use him that much last season because he gets hurt uh, his first year in San Francisco. He didn't get used that much because he gets hurt. Like he's just banged up all the time. And Jordan Howard's not flashy. Jordan Howard's not going to win you like a championship, but Jordan Howard's just solid. And we've already talked about, I think the Miami offense this season has the most value of any offense in fantasy football, because I think it's going to be a good offense. I think people are just sleeping on it because it's the dolphins. Yeah, guess who's going to get the ball at the goal line? And guess who's always going to try to score? Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that offense is just consistently going to get better as the more they play together. And Jordan Howard's a vet. Again, I have two running backs that I don't plan on him starting over. But again, you have to think about what you're going to do when the potential bye week happens. Or maybe there's a matchup where you're like, you know what? I don't really like this guy against that team. But I really like Jordan Howard against the Jets twice a year. And maybe one of those times is when one of your main guys on your roster is on a bye week and you feel comfortable that you don't have to go spend waiver wire cash on somebody like Jordan Howard or somebody that's, you know, not as talented. And you have a number one running back in your system on your bench. And with the following pick, the sixth pick in the ninth round, I selected San Francisco running back Tevin Coleman. So, I'm not super high on Tevin Coleman, but I had no problem with the value of this pick. 
because now we we did get confirmation that San Francisco worked yeah. out a new cash deal with Raheem Mostert, so he's going to be fine. He got got a little bit more money out of him. He got what he wanted, uh, which is fine. But I still don't definitively know that Raheem Mostert is just going to be a three-down running back for them. Like, yeah, he might be the most talented running back on the San Francisco offense. And for the most part, I'm steering clear of San Francisco's offense unless I get George Kittle somewhere in a draft because uh, because I, I, just don't, I just don't like the way that it's shaping up. Like Debo Samuel, I'm not drafting Debo Samuel. I did this last year with A.J. Green. I, 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 he's definitively going to miss games to start the season. Uh, it's a foot injury. Those are always hard to come back from, and those guys just hardly ever pay off. Uh, Brandon Ayuk seems like a young, talented player, but he's still a rookie. And so I don't want to bank on a rookie taking a huge step forward. We saw how much Debo Samuel struggled last season until they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Well, Debo mm-hmm. was supposed to be that for Brandon Ayuk this season. And he's not going to have that to start the year off. So I, I'm steering clear of San Francisco's offensive weapons, but they do use a, a committee back approach, and they're one of the better rushing offenses in the NFL. And so at value, I'll still take Tevin Coleman because I still think there's going to be weeks where Raheem Mostert gets seven carries and Tevin Coleman gets 12. Like, there's just going to be some weeks like that. And so there's going to be some weeks where Tevin Coleman can come off your bench and go put up 95 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, to steal a line from uh, Henry Lake, I think that that Kyle Shanahan is going to continue to ride the hot guy. And you talk about a fun exciting running back tandem in Philadelphia, how Doug Peterson's ever consistent. Look at Kyle Shanahan, man. He had Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman in the same offense. And there's probably a ton of people that are pissed to this day that drafted Devontae Freeman, a top 10 pick four years ago, and going, who the hell is this Tevin Coleman guy? Well, now Tevin Coleman's also still in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. And I can tell you right now, they are definitely going to be a committee running back team. So in the moving on to the tenth round, I selected Rob Gronkowski. I'm I can't <laughs> believe that he was still there. I I get that people are like, oh, he's had out a year. He's not going to be the same Gronk. Like Gronk already put all the weight back on. He already put all the football yeah. weight back on, and you know Brady's absolutely throwing to him. So like, what's yeah. the deal? I'm f- I mean, I'm fine with getting Gronk in the 10th round because Tyler, Excellent value. Tyler Higby went three rounds before him. Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram went three rounds before him. Like, I'm fine with Kelsey and Kittle going way ahead of Rob Gronkowski. I'm not saying Rob Gronkowski needs to be a third or a fourth round pick. I'm fine with, hell, Darren Waller going ahead of him. But for me to get him in the 10th round when dudes like that are still on the board, that's unbelievable. Hayden Hurst went above Rob, Br- Rob Gronkowski. Like Hayden Hurst, I get the, I, I get what people are trying to do with Hayden Hurst. He's taking over the Austin Hooper role. He's an athletically gifted player who never got a real opportunity in the Ravens offense. We've never seen a damn thing from Hayden Hurst to make us think that he deserves to be drafted over Rob Gronkowski. I don't care if Gronk's coming out of retirement. I'll take Gronk on my team every day of the week with Tom Brady still throwing him the football. Yeah, Hayden Hurst has a football name. Mark Andrews has a name of a guy that sells you life insurance and Mark Andrews won the starting job over Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, like you said earlier, went the fourth round. So if Hayden Hurst was super good and he was super good, like Austin Hooper, he would have been playing over Mark Andrews. I'm sorry. He didn't. If you're high on Hayden Hurst, I don't really know why I get it. The offense is there. 
Uh, Matt Ryan throws the hell out of the football in Atlanta. But, I mean, tell me what you have proof-wise that you would take Hayden Hurst. I mean, Gronk in the 10th round is excellent value, so I can't hate it. Because if he doesn't pan out, you're just going to go find a fill-in tight end the rest of your year in the waiver wire, and then you get lucky and you find a guy like a Jake Hollister still available. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely okay with Gronk in the 10th round. And then uh, with the following pick, you selected Denver tight end Noah Fant. Yeah, again, we're in the 10th round. Yeah, he's your guy. You know, yeah. I mean, we're in the 10th round. Again, I'm sticking to that Drew Locke having a big year this year. I think Noah Fant, second-year tight end, first-year tight ends don't really pan out that well in the NFL. I thought Noah Fant played pretty well last year for being a first-year tight end. And again, it goes back to the whole COVID strategy. That team, no preseason, no training camp like any other training camp. Noah Fant knows Drew Locke. Drew Locke knows Noah Fant. And, again, that can click. It's a 10th round. I don't think it's that big of a stretch on Noah Fant. We're going to run through the last couple of rounds pretty quick here. So, uh, coming back in the 11th round, you selected Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman. Uh, That was after Preston Williams just came off the board. Tony Pollard, Henry Ruggs, Matthew Stafford. Uh, I don't hate the pick. I I'm avoiding all Jets, I think, except for Chris Herndon. But I, I mean, Brashad <laughs> Perryman's probably their top wide receiver. So you're gonna die on that Herndon Hill, aren't you? I'm gonna take my chance. I didn't get him in this draft, but I will get him in some draft, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but after the Brashad Perryman pick, I selected my first quarterback. I waited a long time to take a quarterback in this draft, uh, but I got Cam Newton, and I'm fine with it. I'll roll yeah. with Cam. Cam Spinning, mm-hmm. I know the Patriots, they got all these players opting out now. Uh, their offense is probably going to be bad. We don't have any faith in Sony Michelle. Damian uh Damian Lewis might or Damian Harris might be the guy. We're 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 not really sure what's going on there. Uh we don't know who their tight end is. We don't know I mean, their wide receivers, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers. Their offense probably not gonna be great. That's not any worse than any situation Cam was ever in in Carolina. Like Carol, he does only, he still have Sanu? He yeah, he does have Muhammad Sanu, but like mm. he only had Christian McCaffrey his last couple of years in Carolina. Prior to that, Cam Newton was winning 10, 12 games a year, just carrying the team on his back. Like I still think Cam Newton's capable of that, and I think that he's going to be with the best coaching staff that he's ever been with. I think Cam Newton's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a perfectly fine fantasy quarterback. Yeah, he's a fun little bet on the MVP this year, too. Like, he's a 70-to-1 odds to win MVP. If anybody can make him successful in a system, it's going to be Bill Belichick. And, again, he's got to cons- – like, what, he go 15-to-1 with, like, Devin Funches and Ted Ginn Jr.? So, yeah, I'm okay with uh, I'm, I'm okay with Cam uh, that late if that's going to be your quarterback. So, I think Cam does have a lot left in the tank. I just don't think a lot of people want to take a flyer on Cam when it comes to actually putting him on their football team. But I, I love that pick. I think Cam's got a good potential to have a good season. In the following round, the 12th round, I took a flyer on Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman. Um, I just like Pittman's I, – I like Pittman's ability, and th- there's some quotes floating around out there about, like, the Colts specifically drafted him because he's got, like, the Vincent Jackson type of body, and Phillip Rivers loves throwing it up. Like, Phillip Rivers has done that last couple of years with Mike Williams. He's just a big wide receiver. Like, they're just going to send him deep – and let Phil just throw it up and let him go up and get it. So I think he's got some exciting potential. And there's, you know, 
T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, or, or I think I think Paris Campbell is a potential like monster sleeper. Uh, but T.Y. Hilton's still the number one wide receiver, so th- there's still like elements of the Colts' passing game that we're not re- that aren't really locked in. So I think Michael Pittman's fine. Uh, you selected Sammy Watkins in the twelfth round. Again, perfectly fine with the value of Sammy in the twelfth. Yeah. Like he's still a part of the number one offense in football, so he he deserves to be drafted. And him being drafted in the twelfth round, don't have an issue with that at all. Uh, in the thirteenth round, you selected Hunter Renfro. Yeah, um, obviously that's a kind of a, I don't know, that's like, I feel like he got really, uh, really big upside towards the end of the year last year, and then he just absolutely got creamed on the field, and he was done for the year. That's my only problem with Winfro, is that I think that Winfro can be a big target for Derek Carr. I think they're going to try to treat him a lot like the Patriots treated Wes Welker, uh, how they treat uh, what's-his-face now. I think he's going to be that slot guy. It's not because he's a slot white guy that doesn't have any hair. That's not why I'm comparing him to Wes Welker. I'm just saying that I think that Derek Carr can only throw the ball about 20 yards accurately. And I think Renfro's that kind of guy. I think John Gruden loves him. I think they're going to try to be like the Chiefs as much as possible. That's why they, they took a stretch on Ruggs as a receiver. They have you know other guys out there. And I think that he can play a lot of value in the yeah. slot. And if things go well in the beginning of the year, I've got him stashed on my roster. I don't have to worry about anybody else going and picking him up. Yeah, but the problem with Hunter Renfro is that you've got a buddy who has a receding hairline and a body that looks exactly like his. Yeah, good good shout-out to Josh Vernier. <laughs> I selected, uh, with the following pick, I took Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Fern not- doesn't have a body of Renfro, does he really? I mean, Hunter Renfro is not exactly like a ripped dude. Yeah, neither is. Yeah, I mean, I guess Vern isn't really. Yeah, Vern's got a good body for his age. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not bad. Sorry, it's better. Than, it really is. It's better than he thinks it is. Uh, I yeah, he thinks that. he's like this. I don't think he realizes when he talks to us because you and I definitely have beer guts yeah. and like heavy cheeks. And Vern's like, "God, I'm so disgusting and fat." And I just like look at myself and I'm like, "Okay, you must think I am mortally obese." <laughs> uh, but so but anyways, I, I took Big Ben. Um, I think he's a two service, quarterbacks. I think he's a serviceable, ba- serviceable backup quarterback. Um, a, a lot of times in drafts, I do do that. I only take one quarterback and just stream. But I, I liked the value of him this late mm-hmm. in the draft because he's still like, I know definitively that he's going to throw a ton. Like if he stays on the field, they're going to throw the football a lot. So there's going to be some fancy. Oh yeah. In that. Uh, in the final round. I took another flyer on a tight end, and that's so. This is a situation where I just like the value again. Uh, oftentimes, I only draft one tight end too, and I just I try to get the guy that I like as my starter and stream. So that's that's odd. that's a strategy that you can follow that I that I tend to employ quite often. But I like T.J. Hawkinson's talent; he's still there, and so I gave so I so I went ahead and drafted him and took a shot on him because I think he's a really talented t- tight end. Everybody's in on the Noah Fant bandwagon this year because he got hurt last season, but I mean he was drafted ahead of Noah Fant because he's a really talented player. And uh, your final pick was Janu Smith. I actually like that more than where you took Noah Fant. Yeah, so I mean that's just the only reason I took that is that if I do fail on on uh, on Noah Fant, Janu Smith seemed to be able to click last year when it came to his role stepping up as uh, what's-his-face finally got out of the league. But I think that him and Tannehill can have a good connection. If they need to throw the ball, he's going to be the one target other than uh, A.J. Brown. So, all right. That was our 15-round 
Half Point PPR Fantasy Mock Draft. Uh, hopefully you learned something from it. Hopefully you got some strategy. And hopefully you take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the top five of your fantasy draft now because that's where he should probably go. So uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back soon. I'm going on vacation. I don't know what Dusty's doing, uh, but we will hopefully connect again here in the near future. Make sure to download the radio.com app and everything on the 435 Podcast Network. We are out. Don't be afraid to take a stretch on a guy. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 